0: Blog Talk Radio. Uh,
1: let's get ready to rumble!
2: Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show.
3: Well, you be all American. I can now. Right?
2: Actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host. Chad Wilson. They ain't hating on me, You gotta do something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk.
1: I don't rap a discipline. Mirza, <laughs> you all need more discipline.
2: True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't Girl, get out of my face with that crazy oh, Seth, stuff. Seth. The number to call. 347-633-9365. If three, 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 <laughs> y'all got a
1: tape, y'all know
2: this. <laughs> or you can reach us on Twitter at Stud. Come and get some. And now, your host, Chad Wilson. Uh, 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 uh.
1: Ah 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 oui oui oui
2: All right, it's a Monday
3: version of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino here to recap the weekend of sports action, let's say. And I say that, Amo, because I wanna start off I want to start off in boxing. I don't mean to laugh, okay? Uh Bernard Hopkins has had one heck of a, a boxing career. Hell it was long enough. Uh started in That's 19- for sure. In- yeah, definitely uh, long enough facts that I need to point out about, uh, Bernard Hopkins match that, I, uh, boxing match that I, I had, I happened to watch the replay of, um, uh, mm-hmm. last night. I absolutely had to because of all of the video clips that I saw of him exiting the, uh, the, the, the sport of boxing, uh, in, 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 in the, the most fashionable of ways. Um, uh, and I'm watching and I notice a few things. Okay, I don't know if everyone noticed this, but um, his trainer is speaking to him in the middle of one of the rounds, and they happen to put up a little bit of information on his trainer, who is uh, roughly the same age as, as uh, Bernard Hopkins. That shouldn't be. I mean, how much older was Mick than Rocky, for crying out loud? <laughs> for Christ's sake, man, a guy your age shouldn't be training you to box in a ring. <laughs> he should have 20 years on you. But I mean, I'm i just I'm blown away by this fact now here's the next thing uh, in the middle of one of the other rounds they show the mom of the guy that he's boxing and I swear to God she looks 15 years younger than Bernard Hopkins
2: <laughs> older than the mother of the guy you're boxing I mean where's the Nevada
3: Boxing Committee? I don't know what to say buddy <laughs> These are just little small facts that I was able to pick up on uh, long before he got dashed through the Uh, rings, uh, ropes, and landed on his back.
0: I didn't see it. I heard he he saying he, he basically, you know, in the jostling that goes on in the ring, Moore got pushed through the ropes. Is that the case? Did you see it? He was
2: pushed through the ropes with a vicious left hook. Oh, okay. so he was put—he
1: was helped through the ropes with a punch.
2: He was he helped through the ropes <laughs> with a, a, a resounding
3: punch, which is what they do in boxing.
1: You get hit. Yeah, okay. So it, was, it
3: wasn't, it wasn't like,
1: hey,
0: we came out of a, a lock, a break, and, and, and the guy shoved me through the ropes. It was like, no, this guy punched me, and I went flying through the ropes.
3: Yeah, he was punched several times. Yeah. And then there was the uh, knockout blow, something straight out of Rocky, by the way, a real movie punch. And through the ropes he went. Um, A testament to his age, and I'm not here to make fun of 51-year-olds. I'll be there sometime in the near future. That's the goal. That's what I tell everybody. You
0: want to get there.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, of course. The man fell through the ropes, landed on his back, and hurt his shins. I mean, if that doesn't tell you you, you – you've been at this a little bit too long. I don't know what is. I mean, your, your shins were not touched, but you hit your back so hard you hurt your legs. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, you you know, they
0: always say, Mm -hmm. they always say with these guys, Chad, they got to get, the the great ones have to be retired, they don't do it on their
3: own, you know, somebody needs to retire. Well, he's definitely retired, exited, and I I mean exited, Um, I mean, he did it big, if you're going to do it, as Jameis Winston says, do it big, so he goes through the ropes, and then I, I... he, you know they get him up on his feet and they get him back in the ring. You know, obviously after the twenty count, right? Which I learned something about boxing there. If you happen to get uh, knocked out of the ring, you're given twenty seconds to get back in. So uh, I'm just thinking as a strategy here: if you get in trouble and you're going to go down inside of the ring where they give you ten seconds, go ahead and fall through the ropes,
0: and you get a. So you obviously you obviously played football, and since neither one of us boxed, I'm going to assume that when somebody hits you with what feels like a Porsche going 150 miles an hour and you don't see it coming, you don't really have the the chance to plan that strategy. I'm thinking it just happens real quick. I'm
3: just thinking more along these lines, hey, look, um, I'm getting pounded here. Uh, uh, I don't really have a way out of this thing. I'm in trouble. Let me just, you know, overreact to one of these punches, go through these ropes. You know, if best, land on the scorer's table so I don't go all the way down. I'm giving my twenty right. seconds. Roll back in there and get it. You know, hit the reset button. Would, I'm, will I'm the
0: guy different. with the will, the will the guy with the nice silver hair and the 70s suit be sitting there like in the Rocky movies?
3: The guy that always
0: did the fights. Will he be yeah, sitting there? Yeah, uh,
2: Stu, Stu Lanahan. Will I land I mean,
0: on his table?
3: Will Stu be there? Don't, don't tell me why I know and remember his name. Uh, you know, <laughs> Stu Lanahan though is the name of that. Guy. Yeah. Uh, so. So, yeah, on, well, on Bernard be hey, the way Stu, down. Hey, Stu, just stop
0: by to see you for a few seconds here. I
3: got yeah, to see seconds. how I'm doing on this scorecard here. Yeah, you got, you got <laughs> rounds two and four wrong. Can you fix those for me? I'll be back. Jump back. Yeah, I'll ring. be back. Yeah, I'll be back. You know? but, and then, and then uh, the big this, thing for me is they get Hopkins back in the ring, and I can't take my eyes off of, it seems, a, a bit of debris or trash that's stuck to the back of his head after he had landed <laughs> – Oh, man. I mean, no one thought to remove that, to just, you know, kind of throw a little sand on the situation. You get back in the ring and he's ready to box Seeing he was, the other guy was getting tired and he was pushed out and he wants to box, but you, you, you have, you have trash on the back of your head. It just wasn't a good look. So. You know what's you funny
0: you and I could probably do, cause we grew up in that era. We could probably do an hour on boxing alone because I don't like it as much anymore. Cause I think it's, I think generally the sport's garbage anymore. But we grew up in that era in the 70s and 80s where there was tons of stars, many of which are in the Boxing Hall of Fame in the heavyweight division on down. I mean, I could sit here and, you know, talk to you about, you know, Marvin Hagler. See, Hagler, to me, went out the right way. He just he didn't hang on too long. I mean, there was one of the greatest middleweights ever. I mean, Hopkins is one of the greatest fighters ever, but I hate to see guys uh, go out like that. You know what I mean?
3: I- you know, I'm, I'm just was sitting here thinking, like, they all – it seems like all of the greats kind of go out that way in boxing. Why? I mean, we all know how Muhammad Ali went out. Um, we all know how Mike Tyson went out. Sugar Ray Leonard went out this way. Uh, yeah. You know, Larry Holmes went out that way. Um, you know, all of our greats seem to go – you know, want to know the crazy thing is that, you know, George Foreman left prematurely. Stayed away for a long time, came back as an older older man, um, and, and kind of went out. He kind of went out okay, and then sold a bunch of groups. Yeah, and you, Marvin, well, you know, and the yeah, guy, the, the guy I the just
0: said went out pretty damn well. I mean, Marvin Hagler finished his career with a record of uh, like 52 wins, three losses, a couple draws. His last fight was the Leonard fight in uh, in 1987, where he basically after that. And in 1987, he was only 33 years old. He basically said, F it. I mean, if you saw that fight, Leonard basically, you remember the fight. Leonard played to the crowd. He'd tap him a few times at the end of a round and get up on the ropes, right. and people right. were going crazy. So I mean, wrong. I watched that fight. Yeah. I like both fighters, but Hagler, to me, landed the, the better blows in that fight. But Leonard was more charismatic, and he won. I believe it was a split decision. I know it went the distance. I think it was a split decision, and Hagler
3: just said, F it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I came here to box and this guy has yeah. manipulated the crowd and everyone else around it. I don't want to be a part of that cuz I'm really I'm not going to turn into that guy. If you know Marvin Hagler, he wasn't going to be that guy. You know what else oh. too? For as much as I don't like uh what he did in the ring, I have tremendous respect for him as a businessman. Um if if Floyd Mayweather has fought his last fight, he also went out the way you you know you he wanted to, the way you need to. So Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean I listen, I watched oh. Uh, a lot of boxing uh, like you in that era. And, you know, for me, probably my three favorite fighters, the three greatest fighters I ever saw Muhammad Ali, uh, Marvin Hagler. Um, by the way, I got his record wrong 62, 3 and 2. And he fought in an era where there was wow. a lot of good fighters, if you go through his record. Uh, and my other one that I always loved uh, was Roberto Duran. I mean, Roberto Duran uh, was truly, I mean, if you go really study the career of Roberto Duran, I mean, there was a guy who was probably. Maybe the best pound for pound fighter ever. If you go study how many and what's sad is left.
3: he'll be remembered most for no mas. But um, if you sit there and take a look at his record, um, the man was a, a damn good boxer. Uh and, oh, and, and, and,
2: tough and really as nails. one of the great.
3: Oh yeah, tough as nails. Yeah, they the beat
0: Leonard the first time they fought. Don't forget that. I mean, people kind of lose sight of that. Uh, he he beat Leonard. I mean, the first time they fought in their primes. He was a great fighter.
2: That's what led
3: to that whole No Mas thing. It was a a great trilogy for these guys. You know, uh, and I know you remember this, Emil. You and and our younger listeners won't be able to wrap their mind around this. But you would get marquee boxing matches on Saturday afternoon on ABC. And to think about that now, you could get a Mayweather Pacquiao uh, or something along those lines. On regular Well, I'll tell you what you'd get a lot of if Kelly. you remember.
0: You remember that, the wide world of sports, okay, Howard yes. Cosell was, was heavily involved, and Muhammad Ali was a very, Howard Cosell was a very big advocate for Ali back, you know, at different times with civil rights and stuff and what was going on in the country and the world. And, uh, you know, Ali was very close with Howard Cosell eventually in their lives. And uh, you'd catch Ali a lot of times in those uh, wide world of sports, he might not fight Foreman, but you'd see him fight a Jimmy Young or you know, some guy like that, a decent fighter. Uh, and People won't be able to wrap their minds around that if they're under the age of 35, but really you would see those fights on a Saturday, after, a Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock or something like that.
3: Yeah, isn't that something? I mean, something you would just absolutely um, not get anywhere close to right now. It would be two tomato cans if you caught them on regular television.
0: Right, right, yeah, you would never get something like that today where you'd get a a guy of that stature, like I said, an Alley or a Foreman. I mean, I still remember as a kid, and we'll get back to football, we swear to God, but Chad might remember this. You've probably seen this. When George Foreman knocked out Joe Frazier, Frazier had become champion um, he had beaten Ali. I think he either lost the belt or lost it in this fight to Foreman. But that's the famous Howard Cosell call. Down goes Frazier. Down goes right. Frazier. Uh, George, George Foreman hit Frazier so hard. Frazier was coming in like he always did. And he threw a punch, and Foreman just caught him perfectly with an uppercut. And I swear to God, Frazier's feet were were, were above his head. That's how he went down. I mean, he, no, I thought he was. He, was hopping dead. Around the rim.
3: he didn't it move. He was uh, a total dismay. He didn't move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Listen, if you if you could see old George Foreman clips, and you know that's what YouTube is for, uh, you will uh, you will see one hell of a powerful puncher. I, oh, I,
0: Foreman! I dare Foreman's, say the uh, legend Foreman might have been the most powerful ever. I mean, that guy hit people. I mean, they they were just it was like a dump truck hit them. They were just out.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I dare say the legend um, of Muhammad Ali. A lot of people will say Frazier, but a big part of it was him overcoming uh, overcoming George Foreman because he seemed at the time to be such a formidable opponent. Um, and then to overcome him in the way that he did, using that kind of strategy, I think just kind of sealed his leg.
0: Oh, people people that were close to Ali, and if you go really read about his career or watch some stuff about it, they didn't want him to fight for him. And remember, that was 1975. So I'm going to say at that point, Ali was – 33, 34, somewhere in there if I look it up. And Foreman was in his late 20s and he had won Olympic gold medals in 68, I think it was. Uh, Foreman was an animal. It was almost like the scene when Mick's trying to tell Rocky not, not to fight Clubber Lang. You're not they were all mind. bums. Yeah, they were all bums, kid. They were set-ups. Yeah. This guy will kill you. He'll murder you. Well, that's kind of what they were telling Ali. This guy will kill you.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, well, listen, you know, some of that, some of that Rocky stuff was, uh, you know, <laughs> born out of out of facts. so and another thing i yeah. want to talk about and and again we will get into uh actual action on the gridiron but you know sometimes there's stuff around it um that you, you need to address um funny thing and i know you watched it because it was your boys and they were on last night doing their thing against the tampa bay buccaneers somewhere in the game uh ezekiel elliott scores his touchdown uh heads to the back of the end zone where a lot of uh, you know Famous things have happened uh, for the Cowboys. Popcorn being thrown in the face. Uh, sure. Sharpies have been pulled out. Lo and behold, there just happened to be a Salvation Army big red cup there. It's just almost perfect. And uh, Ezekiel Elliott, um, whether planned or, you know, you know, sporadic or, you know, whatever the word is that I'd be looking for, jumps into the uh, Salvation Army cup uh, and... And uh, I don't I don't remember if he did a little dance or whatever probably not but just jumping in there was no enough. he just jumped in it jumped in and then uh, at a short time thereafter jumped out and uh, apparently his coaching staff or some members of the coaching staff were not all too happy about this um, display uh, and of course you know they've been handing out they've been handing out fines left and right for celebrations uh, all season long and the silliest of things have been getting um, fined. And it, I think I read today where the NFL is not going to find Ezekiel Elliott for this display, even though it seemed a little choreographed. Amal, hey, well, well, are you thinking it, what here, I'm
2: thinking here's about? Here's the here
0: argument, here? though, Chad. Here's the argument: Why is a Lambo leap a lot? In other words, guys run in the end zone and jump into the stands. That seems okay.
3: Well, I, I'm okay
0: with it. By the way, well, is um, that
3: even okay anymore in 2016? I'm not even sure anymore.
0: Can we just try to remember something? And I wish the NFL would do this. And I'm not saying I, I really like guys that play the game with with a a, a joy that makes it fun. As long as you're not taunting your opponent, who gives a crap if he dies in the kettle?
1: Ezekiel cool. Elliott
0: seems to really just enjoy playing football. The guy has a smile on his face almost every time you see him. So what? He jumped in the kettle. It's not like he did anything to taunt the Buccaneers. It
2: wasn't, you
3: know. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know me, I'm I I have no problem with any and all of that stuff until you get just, you know, really ridiculous with it. I think uh, you're marketing the hell out of this game. Uh, Let's not act like, you know, entertainment is not a huge part now of of, of the game of football. It's more that than anything else. And uh, I'm just thinking about this, though. Salvation Army paid some money to put that cup there and they have to be absolutely tickled pink that Ezekiel Elliott jumped inside of their cup and brought all types. matter of fact, I saw tweets from the Salvation Army after the game. um, Well, that's where
0: the pressure, I think that's where there's a subtle pressure on the NFL is like, listen, this guy probably brought some attention to a good cause because the Cowboys are very big uh, every Christmas with the Salvation Army, both what they have their players do in the community of Dallas and with the that that kettle's there. If you look, God willing, we're all here next year. It'll be there next year. So, um, you know, I think that it's hard to penalize a guy when he brought some attention to a good cause. So I think that's probably what happened there. They probably should the only it probably thing I could say
3: idea. here, Amol, that would have made this a whole would have made this better if Ezekiel Elliott would have jumped inside of the cup and it was big enough for him to stoop down in there to where you don't see him. And then he would have rose his head out slowly like the Undertaker. That would have just been awesome.
0: <laughs> hey, listen, I'm, I mean, I'm impressed time. the guy's I'm agile enough we'll... to get into that cup. I couldn't get, could you get in that cup? I mean, think about getting in a cup with a full football uniform on. That was, That's pretty agile. I'd probably bone the whole thing up if I tried it.
3: I think I'd have hopped in that thing at this age, got my foot caught in there, fell in the cup, spilled the cup over, fall back out, and it would have been a whole really yeah. funny deal. And people ask, how are you are running back in the National Football League? Something like that would have went down. But exactly. Nevertheless, so, right, we're going to have to get into some real football action. You know, we'll talk some college football coming up. There were some bowl games that went by this weekend. We picked some of them, and there's some more coming up before our next uh, broadcast between you and I so we'll talk about that plus some more stuff going on in the coaching role of college football we'll do that and more after this brief bake we'll be back on the gridiron session this is the end,
2: the end. To so all you high school recruits out there you want to get recruited by the colleges
1: This is the end. beautiful friend.
3: This is the end.
1: My only
3: friend. All right, we're back here on the Good Iron Stud show. I'm we where, you know, we're wearing out the outro music here, but once again, Blog Talk Radio, not the best in customer service in the world. Um, has left me to where I can't upload any audio. I, these guys, Amol, have gone on Christmas break rather early. Can't get help from these guys whatsoever. They're in the Witness Protection Program, Chad. You better check them
0: out. They might be testifying against somebody.
3: They're, they're in, in Witness Protection. They're, they're, yeah, well, they're located there in you Jersey, go. so you know what that means. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to oh, of our Jersey listeners out there, but you guys, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Alright, uh, nevertheless, College football went down this weekend. There was some of it. I think you got a game on the books that goes today, 2:30. Central Michigan and Tulsa, for which you well, you know, are this the Golden Hurricane. This, yeah, this
0: dovetails nicely for us because why don't we just, you know, we can we can kill a few birds at one stone with this wonderful set of bowl games that went down this weekend. You and I uh, laid out four college bowl picks. We each had two different games, so we basically hit all the games for you guys out there. And yeah, well, I mean, we really got it done. We really I mean, hit We got it done this weekend. We did. We we laid out a 4-0 weekend for you guys in college football. No need to send any donations or anything to the show. Just keep listening.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: You, why don't you talk about some of your picks, and I'll, I'll cover mine, and we'll talk about the games themselves.
3: Well, real quick, the San Diego State-Houston one was uh, a really, uh, you know, not to sound, not to be sitting here popping my collar, but it was an easy one for me to pick. Um uh, houston Not really interested in a bowl game like this, considering their opponent last year was Florida State. This is a team that was on a high. Uh, This is a team that was uh, undefeated for a good half portion of uh, the season here. This is a team that beat Oklahoma. This is a team that thought they were going places, and one of those places was not in a bowl game at the end of the season as one of the first bowl games and playing San Diego State, who, by the way, uh, doesn't carry a marquee name. And that's the only thing that I mean by that because San Diego State just won 11 games this season, including this bowl game. But uh, San Diego State brought a, you know, they're a physical football team that will run the ball. And it's just not, when you are not interested in a bowl game, the last thing you need is that type of an opponent that wants to be physical with you. So that was an easy pick for me, and it ended up being an easy winner. San Diego State wins the game 34-10, to 10. Donald Pumphrey. Not your household name, but should be, is now the all-time leading rusher in FBS passing, Ron Dane passing, fellow uh, San Diego State alum, Marshall Falk, and and anyone else. I mean, of all the running backs there have ever been, Bo, Herschel, I I mean, we can go through all the lists. Donald Pumphrey of San Diego State stands above them all as the all-time leading rusher in uh, college football history, FBS. So.
0: Yeah, really impressive. What sticks out to me looking at this game is, you know, each team only had a, about 250 yards of offense, but San Diego State uh, turned Houston over four times, to your point. Um, you know, that shows to me a lack of focus. I mean, I'm going to give some credit, of course, to San Diego State, but Greg Ward throws four picks in this game. Awful game for him. Um, you know, I don't know if it's lack of focus, preparation, or just San Diego State was that good, or a combination. Uh, San Diego State's defense, which you would expect from a team that runs the ball since they practice against it, held Houston to only 25 rushing yards. And, you know, it's not like San Diego State tore it up, but they took care of the football Uh, They ran it for over 100 yards as a team, and, you know, they they won this game going away in the second half. It just opened a can of uh, whoop-ass on them in the third and fourth quarters, outscoring them 28 to nothing. So that was a good pick by you.
3: Yeah, just a couple of things for listeners here. Uh, For someone who's, uh, you know, this usually is my time of the year, and I'm not going to jinx myself here, hopefully, but uh, I just understand certain things about bowl games. having lived through some, Uh, you know, personally. There's a bad combination of things. Uh, disinterested um you know not really wanting to be in the bowl game that's number 1 number 2 playing an opponent that wants to get physical and number 3 having the bowl game in in a, a happening uh nice city like san diego uh going to hawaii when you're not all that interested in the bowl game uh is not a good idea coming down to miami um if you're not all that interested in the bowl game is not a good idea extremely difficult to get your team focused. So there was a number of things that came together there that just worked out for us here. The other game I picked was Arkansas state uh, plus six against central Florida. A couple of locals down here were asking what's up with me doing that. Um, central Florida's not that team. I, I don't even know. I, I don't know where they got off making them that big of a favorite uh, on a recruiting note. I'll tell you what irritates me about this. Um, it seems like almost every bowl season now, I'm watching some of these teams play. Uh, And obviously, I'm a high school football coach down here that runs a recruiting service and gets a chance to see a lot of the talent, uh, not only across the country, but obviously here. And we've got got some very good quarterbacks in this area. And they are struggling to be noticed, recognized, and get offers. And then I watched the two quarterbacks that played for Central Florida, the starter and then the eventual backup that came in. And uh, Amos just... Bad quarterback play. The kid for Central Florida was skipping rocks. I mean, uh, yeah. if you can throw a football underhanded, he was doing that. Not accurate at all. Poor decision making. And then his his uh, backup came in and was had on a "Please sack me" T-shirt. But you're you're <laughs> you're you're going all over the place to go find quote unquote quarterbacks, and you've got uh, a bunch that were right now better than these two guys. You had high school quarterbacks down here right now better than these two guys that I saw playing the game.
0: Yeah, well, another case, you know, Central, you know, Central Florida turned the ball over a lot in this ball game, and, um, you know, they, they didn't win a game last year, so when they came into this game 6-6, six and six, I thought myself, I almost made this a pick, I thought that they were really undervaluing Arkansas State, who kind of flies under the radar in the Sun Belt, but they're a pretty good program, as hard as that might be for some listeners to believe in their in their you know scope of where they play they're a good program i mean they're not they're not playing alabama of course but um and you know like you said i thought they got a little carried away here getting this thing all the way up to five and six points at game time so you know in retrospect that was another really solid pick on uh, on your part uh you get the out right there i mean that that's impressive you got yeah 31 right win, 13
3: so. poor quarterback play uh in a in a bowl game for a favorite is just uh doomsday so uh that's that's what you got there 31 13 again the final for arkansas state so two easy winners there so now you can tell and then what i have left is uh you know wyoming taking on byu and um and that's coming up on wednesday i have wyoming uh, you know, it was eight and a half when we picked it on Friday. and That's the number we stick with. But now this puppy's slid itself all the way up to BYU minus 10. I'm, I'm feeling good about it.
0: Yeah, they're, they're getting a little carried away there, I think. I, I think Wyoming is going to be more excited about this game. Um, and I kind of feel like you do than BYU. I could be wrong, but I just I just don't. I think Wyoming will be very pumped up. This is a big deal for them to make a bowl game. BYU, yeah, I don't they've been here before. I don't see
3: a BYU to be all amped to cover 10 points. But, uh, you know, again, we'll have to see. All right, so let's talk about the great picks that you made this weekend.
0: uh. I started off in a game that, frankly, probably not a lot of people cared about. It was the opening bowl game. Uh, I took uh, UT San Antonio, a 6-6 six and six club, at New Mexico, basically playing on New Mexico's home field, getting 7.5 points in this game. Um game kind of went the way I thought. Both teams like to run the ball. Passing was at a premium. It's cold out there this time of year. Uh, it was 23-13 late in the game. UT walked right in the back door uh, with about two minutes left and actually you know tried to get the ball back with a chance to win the game, but they couldn't stop New Mexico's running game. Ends up 23-20. I'm quite comfortable with that. I didn't want any piece of any overtimes or anything. Uh, so I get 7.5. We take a win there. Not the greatest game to watch, but, hey, it's a winner. And then finally – uh, a, a team I really like, and this was a close one, I, I kind of figure it was a tough ball game, but I just, I like Appalachian State, I like what they do, I like them when they were at the lower level, it's always been a solid program, uh, they go out, they beat another really good program uh, that, that flies under the radar, Toledo, 31-28, you're given one, good ball game, uh, but you get the win and that's all that matters, you cash the ticket, uh, so I'm 2-0, and and of course I have one left, and as Chad said, that is going sometime today, to, uh, Tulsa, is giving twelve and a half points. I'm usually not down with uh, laying that kind of lumber in these early games, but I I think that Tulsa is a pretty good football team and I'm just not sure what, you know, what, what a club from the Mac is going to do to slow them down. I think there's a lot of really average teams in this Mac conference, central Michigan being one of them. And I just, I don't know if they can slow Tulsa down. Tulsa can score uh, points in bunches.
3: Yeah. uh, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling you on that one, my friend. And so, uh, whether I feel you on it or not, they got it done. And so, uh, like you said, a four and zero weekend so far. And we've got. Why don't you tell them what you got left? I kind of hinted to it, but jump on that. Well,
0: got left with what? I just did. I got Tulsa, man.
3: Yeah, my man Tulsa. Sorry about that, my friend. Uh, I'm all yeah, over the place. <laughs> you're all over the Tulsa. map. They're they're going to yeah, be Tulsa. looking for another pick for me. It's hard enough for me to get two or three of them. Are you kidding me?
2: What yeah, do you I want know, more? Right?
3: Tulsa, uh, well, coming up on Friday, too, by the way, is a programming note. Um, Abel and I will make
2: three more selections, correct? Three more selections. Yeah, we'll we'll look at next
3: week's bowl games. We'll go from Friday through the following Thursday,
0: and we'll pick out three more winners for you.
3: Yeah, we'll probably end up with, uh, I guess, maybe around 12 picks in total. Yeah, you and I always, you know,
0: again, I don't want to jinx it, but we've always done well on the bowl games. I don't know what it is. I always feel more comfortable in the bowl games. I feel like I, I I've got a whole slate, and now I can you know I've got teams playing from different conferences, and I think that really helps you when you're trying to compare and contrast the teams. And you also, if you factor in some coaching and motivation things, I think it makes the bowls a little bit easier when you when you look at the big picture.
2: I don't know
3: if we've done this, but we we you know we we might as well uh, just a little bit. Uh, what. Give me your top three bowl games you want to see right now, or would you, or you, would you rather have me start off? No, I can give you my three. I can give you my and three. And let's keep the let championship me, me go... games. Keep the championship games out of this equation. Oh, okay. Because I was like good because
0: I really think the most interesting game would, would be the uh, Clemson uh, game against Ohio State. I think they're pretty evenly matched. But uh, let me see here. Okay, I, 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 I love that Michigan Florida State game. Uh, I'm with That interest that, that that interest the hell out of me. But why so? Um, I'm, pardon? Why so? Uh, well, I think you're going to have you have two of the two, I think the top two teams in the league, in the country this year sacking the quarterback. I, I really don't expect a ton of offense in that game. I mean, I think that game is going to be, as they say, an old slobber knocker. You know, where you got guys, you got snot dripping down guys' nose, and a lot of hard hitting. Uh, you got two of what I consider two of the you know top 15 programs in the country historically, not just right. recently. So, you know, there's a lot of history on the field. You know, they all have cool uniforms. Can I say that? (laughs) Yeah, I like that game. You know what I mean? Hey, why
3: not? I mean, it's bowl time. You're allowed to
0: like that stuff. Yeah. Yeah,
3: so, okay, so I like that one a lot.
0: Uh, Another game which may fly under the radar for some people, but I think it's going to be a a very entertaining game. It's a 9 o'clock game on Thursday, 29th. Perfect time slot. You can watch that. I don't know if there's an NFL game that night, but it'll probably suck if there is, so this is better. Uh, that the Alamo Bowl, you've got number ten Colorado at ten and three playing number twelve Oklahoma State at nine and three. Two old Big Twelve uh, rivals, there Big Eight, Big Twelve.
3: Um, I, I think that's going to be a good football game. Um, yeah, I, w- I I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, one of the one of the few teams outside of the, you know, the bowl the bowl championship series or whatever the hell we call that now where you've got two ranked opponents. So that stands to reason, um, you know, that that we should get a good bowl game there, Colorado in an unusual spot. Let's see how they handle that. We saw what happened in that pack, you know, 12 championship game for me. Uh, I'm with, Wait, the on- you didn't the- let me
0: give my third. I still have a third. You asked me three. My you're bad. Go you know, yes. And of course, I think the premier bowl game outside of, The championship games is the Rose Bowl with my Trojans playing Penn State. You've got two of the blue-blood programs of college football uh, playing one another. You don't see them match up very often. They've only met nine times in over 100 years. This will be the 10th, so I think that's a pretty cool game.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, well, I I agree with two of these here. Uh, You know, USC-Penn State um, and and then obviously Michigan-Florida State. Uh, And for pretty much much of the same reasons that you do. I also want to see the uh, West Virginia Miami game. Um, I don't know is West, how real is West Virginia? And then can Miami um, close things out with a bowl victory? And, you know, I don't even want to say how long it's been since the university of Miami's won a bowl game. I think it would be uh, a cherry on the top of a successful season for Miami. I don't know how fans in total feel about an eight and four year, I think when Miami opened up four and O, oh, their they, you know they their minds changed and they started thinking about winning an, an ACC championship, which you know to be is to be expected from a fan base when you start off that way. And then you know you had a four game run there where you lost and you were four and four, and so now the expectation swung the other way. Uh, but now you finished up strong, you're eight and four, and you got a chance to I think this bowl I think a bowl win here. Is a bigger thing for Miami than it is West Virginia. Would you? Would you? You know, you
0: just took the words out of my mouth. I, I think, and you'll have Miami fans down there telling you know,
3: tweeting you that I'm an idiot.
0: I think this is a huge game for Miami. You know, there'll be people saying, "Oh, what's the difference? Nine and four, eight and five. It's huge." Okay, Miami Mm -hmm. wins this game. They went to the off season on a five game winning streak. The last time they step on a football field, they're winners. They're feeling good about themselves starting off next year. I think it's a springboard to a really big 2017 for them. Conversely, and not to say 2017 can't still be big for them, I think that job gets a lot more difficult when you lose that game and you put doubt back into your mind. You know, you played a good team. If they go out here in West Virginia, runs them off the field or something crazy like that, which I don't think will happen, um, yeah. I think that's not the way you want to go into the off season.
3: Yeah, I, it, you know, if you win the bowl game, it's just going to seem different. Uh it, this this year will seem different. You know, you've been through coaching changes. Um you've been through the swings of um, you know, you get the new coach and you're all excited about it and you you you're quick to say the U is back and then, you know, at the end, you end up, you know, not winning some of the games during the season that you thought you were going to win. And then you've ended the season with uh, either you couldn't go to a bowl game because you self-imposed for some foolishness, or you ended up losing the bowl uh, the bowl game. And so doing this, winning this bowl game, will just somehow make it feel like things are different under Mark Richt. It's just going to seem that oh, way because you know, I'm I told you exactly this. On, uh, I told
0: you this last week. We talked about this in the game with. Uh, I, I feel teams, a lot of teams, in the situation Miami's in, where they're really getting close now, to you know getting back in the thick of things. I think they approach this ga- these bowl games, some of them, like incorrectly. And I cite it last year as an example with my team. I felt like we had played the Pac-12 championship game. Stanford won the game. Stanford was a top, you know, six, seven program last year. The team was eight and five at that point, having lost the game. They had a bowl game with Wisconsin. They only used like eight of the 15 bowl practices. They were practicing in shells, and Clay Helton, who was the just appointed new head coach after being interim coach, said, well, you know, my guys are beat up. Uh, You know, we focused on the Pac-12 championship game, and they went out, and basically, without even practicing much, you know, played Wisconsin dead even and lost 23-21. That whole season had a different feel. Finishing 8-6 and six and losing that game, as opposed to had they won and finished 9-5. and five. And I think it really, you know, had some little impact, not total, but I, I think they got off to a slow start this year. And I think it would have felt a lot different going to the offseason had they played the game and tried to really, really win the game and focused on it. Yeah, I would,
3: uh, I would, to, I would tend to agree with that. Uh, the last bowl win for the University of Miami was the uh, famous NPC Computers Bowl. Um, that was a big one. And that dates all the way back to this guy named Larry Coker that coached at the University of Miami. That's how long it's been. Two thousand and six. It's been ten years. We're on the third coach since the University of Miami's had a bowl win. So winning uh the bowl game here will just seem different and uh and you know, I'm with you. It'll just it'll be a springboard into the two thousand and seventeen season. I think so that's they're really
0: huge. close. I don't want to get people excited, but I think they're very close. I mean most of the losses this year, they were right there to win the game. I mean, they were they were there. I think I think Rick is is going to end up being. And so far, I'm I'm happy to see that he's taking this seriously. He didn't go there to retire and, and 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 get suntans. He looks like you know he's intent on getting these guys back. And I think if they if people give Rick a chance here, I think that Miami's really close. And I think they're in a great conference. You know, th- there's a few teams they've got to focus on, but, I mean, I think the ACC is a good conference for them to get back in real quick.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, I- I'm, I'm predicting, uh, just as of right now, you know, this is not official. we got got many, many more months to go. I'm predicting uh, if they can get a bowl win here. Uh, I'm predicting the first double-digit win season in 2017 for the Hurricanes since way back in 2003. So this is a really big – this is a bigger bowl game than I think a lot of people – Realized for the University of Miami. So uh, I'll definitely have my eyes on that. You know what is a a, a close fourth for me? Um, Which one? Uh, the Louisville-LSU game. You know, I um, knew you were
0: going to say that because that was my fourth. I swear to God, that was my fourth. I knew you were yeah, going to say that. Yeah, two
3: ranked teams here. Not that that means a whole bunch. Um, 13 uh, versus 20. Leonard Fournette's not going to play. Uh, i don't know that that's neither here nor there it didn't wasn't very impactful uh um, it, it, towards the end of the season you know Darius Geis was more of the guy and and then uh you know louisville well i'm interested in seeing their motivation here because they certainly had higher hopes than than the citrus bowl um and then things kind of fell apart at the end for them so uh, what's the motivation for LSU? Are you also trying to do what Miami did, springboard um, into, you know, I- into your next season under your new head coach? Um, and, or, or, you know, you know. Well, are, I'll tell you, you what, so LSU, LSU you I
0: predict will, get it LSU will come to play. They'll come to play. So if Louisville does not match their physicality, they have a chance of getting blown out here, That, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, and it's a little bit of finesse offense versus rough defense, that type of deal. You know, I always like to yeah. see that clash in bowl games, you know. I like to see the spread offense versus the wishbone. I like when those two things collide and come together. Well, that's a, not exactly what we have here, but we have uh, physical versus finesse, so to speak, in here. And, you know, I, I, I could queue up and hear all of the Louisville fans right now saying, well, I, you can't call us finesse. Look at our defense. I am finesse. And that's what you are and you're certainly not yep. you're not along the lines of rugged as lSU would uh, be considered rugged so uh, I just like the nope. battle of those two things then let's see how that plays itself out so um some other good bowl matchups uh, I just get more of a kick out of these early ones um, where you get to learn a little bit about some teams and then people are kind of like eh, defense be damned even though we've had uh, it hasn't gone overboard in these early games. I think the biggest scoring no, game we've
0: had was Saturday was, was Saturday, actually, there was, a, there was a lot of defense. I mean, you look most of those games, if you go look at the final Vegas totals, those games all stayed under. I mean, they actually played more defense than
3: I expected. Yeah, I think this next wave is where we're going to see some scoring. Central Michigan, Tulsa, Memphis, West, and Kentucky, you know that's going to be a, an end zone at best. Uh, BYU and Wyoming will probably feature some kind of defense, but I think some of these other ones, uh, I think we're going to see the points get launched out. Louisiana Tech, Navy, um, uh, that's again, what I'm talking about option attack versus spread. Uh, I think we're going to see some points piling up in that one. So, uh, oh yeah, looking forward I agree. To that as you, uh, grab those last minute items from the, uh, uh, target Walmart and uh CVS, which is open, on, which is open on Christmas <laughs> day. <laughs> so, uh, Slept stocking stuffers, grab. as
0: they call them. Some stocking oh, yeah, stuffers.
3: Uh, <laughs> that person you forgot about, that uh, oh God is going to get the Elizabeth Taylor perfume that they only <laughs> uh, advertised this week. Someone's going to get that. Oh. Um, just couldn't get it together. All right, we're going to jump into one of those short breaks again. When we get back, we got to talk some NFL football, some interesting stuff to talk about. There's a quarterback in Houston that they paid a lot of money for, and uh, someone in there wants to – they're looking for the receipt. We'll talk about that more when we get back on the Good Iron Stud show right after this.
1: This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend, the end of our elaborate life, the end of everything that stands, the end.
2: No safety or no surprise. To so all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges?
3: Folks, now is the time to get free health insurance for you and your loved ones. Primary care insurance is now enrolling individuals into their Obamacare insurance plan. So call today, 954-278-8696. That's correct. Free health care insurance. Obamacare is now available from November 1st to January 31st. But it's urgent that you call today. 954-278-8696. Open enrollment only comes once a year. This means that the government is willing to pay for your health insurance needs. Don't miss out on your opportunity. The time to get free health insurance for you and your family is now, so please call 954-278-8696. Again, now the number is 954-278-8696. Let them know that you were sent by the Gridiron Stud Show. You can also visit their website, OptimumNationalInsurance.com. That's OptimumNationalInsurance.com. Emil, I talked about this before we went on the break. Um, Brock Osweiler. Man, who saw this coming, Emil? Who saw this not working out? What do you mean, who out? saw
0: this coming? Probably uh, you and I, if we go back and queue up the tapes. We I'm just so the contract. shocked
3: and stunned yeah. by this development that this guy didn't work out. I don't understand. You know, you and I are sitting yeah. here. Um, you know, we're certainly not making a general manager's salary. Um, we're okay, but we're not making a general manager's salary. <laughs> but some of these moves that are made it's like
2: oh, they're paying you a lot of money to do that right there come on
3: come on what, that's what, what if for Gump say in the movie stupid is what stupid does I mean that's pretty <laughs> much the way I feel about these guys
2: man, all you need to know
3: about Brock Osweiler is in a six second clip with him and Peyton Manning when it's your time brother and you couldn't find your helmet you had to go back and find yeah, your helmet. Yeah, no. And Peyton was like, <laughs> no,
0: it's crazy. Right, it's crazy. This you. guy. What do they do now? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have the contract in front of me. I know the total contract was four years and seventy-two million. The part that we care about is how much of it was was signing bonus. Yes,
2: I mean, what no. do you do? Like I mean, there
0: there, there has to be. Oh, it's a huge chunk of debt of of dead money if they want to get rid of this guy. Which obviously, at this point, I mean, I have to think that's the plan. Because I mean, what you know, you just benched him. You can't keep him.
3: Um, would I be stating the amazing obvious if I said, Hey Brock, you should have just stayed in Denver and, 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 and quit it with your
2: feelings being hurt
3: too easy. Listen, the problem with all these guys,
0: especially in the sport of football, I mean, it it happens in baseball and basketball to a degree, but football, which is such a game that's, uh, we always call it the ultimate team game. So much is based on how people use you, um, who's around you. Guys just don't know when they have it good, you know. I mean, we, 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 you know, last year you and I had another one just like this when Demarco Murray went to the Eagles. We scratched our head. We said, "Listen, this just doesn't make any sense. The Eagles don't run an offense that fits Demarco Murray's skill set." You know, and mm. I'm sure we have listeners thinking that these two guys are off their rocker. They think they know more. No, it's just that if you watch football long enough, you don't need to be an NFL GM to say, "Look, if this guy does X, and they're trying to do X over here." His skill set doesn't fit that. He went there. He was a total. I mean, he had the worst year. He admitted it was the worst year of his life. Now, thankfully for him, he ended up in a place that's probably about as close as he could have gotten to getting back to Dallas. They they run right. the ball the way Dallas does, and 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 he's revived his career. But he was miserable for a year. I don't I mean, know how miserable. he thought
3: he fit that. I just don't understand. These guys will chase money. They chase that guaranteed money, obviously. But you're you know this like they almost just put their entire career aside like this is might be career suicide and so i just looked this up here's Oswaldo's contract 4 years 72 million as you said um 12 million dollar signing bonus 37 of that 72 fully guaranteed salary right and so, i got really, so he's
2: getting
0: paid so basically they can't get rid of him yet he's going to have to stand there at worst with a headset on and hold a clipboard because 37 million. You figure the signing bonus is 12 of it, which means they're amortizing three a year. So they've got nine million left to, to get rid of there. And I'm guessing probably the second year of that contract, or at least that, is guaranteed money. Which, because the signing bonus is 12, that means 25 mm-hmm. million more salary. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing the second year of the contract, the salary was guaranteed or something like that. So they, they basically can't get rid
3: of him next year. Can't. Yeah, they're stuck with him, as FoxSports.com yep. says in their headline: "The Texans wasted." Nothing like opening this up if you're Brock Osweiler um, and seeing this headline. The Texans wasted $37 million on Brock Osweiler, and now they're stuck with him. Hey, how about his backup, uh, Savage, going in there, and 23 of 36 for 260 yesterday. Good God. I mean, he's throwing down. Yeah, he had, a
0: good, he had a good day, but now you know the old cautionary tale with that. He yeah, came don't in, find he he a on to... him, and it
3: won't be so easy, sure. Yeah, it, I mean, he came in have off been the, the bench. The loudest cheer in that stadium when he came in.
0: Oh, I mean, I don't know how how they lasted fourteen weeks with this guy at quarterback. I've seen enough Texans games this year when they were on TV and flipping through my package to know that this guy. I mean, he wasn't just he he wasn't just not good. He was awful. I mean, awful.
3: Yeah, uh, and and so it, it's tough to know what system Brock Osweiler fit in, but he he probably should have just stayed in Denver. But uh, that's hindsight being twenty twenty. But, again, we did uh, say as much in the offseason. We said it loud. We said it clear. And I know you folks out there uh, agreed with us. So, there you have it. Hey, uh, the Miami Dolphins don't know what to make here other than the fact that they control their destiny into the play. The Miami Dolphins have not been in the playoffs for quite some time, Amel. what What do you make of what's going on here with these guys?
0: Well, I mean, hey, they look great. They did what they're supposed to do uh, on, what was it, Saturday. I'm a little concerned with this upcoming game of Buffalo. See, I really thought Buffalo would have quit this week. I did. And now I know they were playing Cleveland, but I figured if Cleveland was going to get a win, it might even be this week. Because with with the talks whirling around, you know, the coach being fired – uh, I, I just figured the Buffalo being out of the playoffs would just, you know, not put up much of an effort. And they really went out and took care of Cleveland. I mean, they handled them, which tells me they're going to play right Cleveland, through to the yeah. end and be professionals. Cleveland. So that's going to be a tough game for Miami.
2: Um,
3: yeah, it, I, I mean, it, it it could eventually be that. And then it, it, it turns out that the Patriots may be playing for something in that final game, so that, too, can be a problem. Um, what they have done, though, with that win uh, and an easy one at that 34-13 uh, against the New York Jets, have secured their first winning season since 2008, Ava, when they went 11-5. and 2008, it's been that long.
0: Yeah, you know, team, i, I probably, tell you what, it's been a while, and they're in pretty good shape. If they can get to 10, I'm looking here at the standings because the Steelers play the Ravens next week. Um if the Steelers win, the Ravens are basically toast. They'll, they'll be 8-7. and seven. And if the Ravens win, they'll tie the Steelers and have the tiebreaker because they won the first game against them. If the Steelers were to fall into that wild card chase, the Dolphins have beaten the Steelers. So that puts them in good position there. I don't think anybody in the South uh, beyond maybe the winner is getting to 10. I mean, Tennessee sure. and Houston have eight wins. Um, if one of them wins out, they'll get to 10, but I don't think there'll be two, so they're fine there. And the other uh, wild card is coming out of the West with Kansas City and Oakland. So and Denver's down to 8-6 now, and Denver's schedule is just murder. I mean, I, Denver might be a – you said this, I think, on Friday's show. Denver may be a 500 team when this is all said and done. As they close up uh, shop, they close out the season with Oakland and Kansas City, so they could easily find themselves looking at 8-8. Eight and eight. So Miami's actually in pretty good shape if they can win one more game.
3: Um, yeah, and, and, and I think they'll get that done against the Bills. You better hope they get it done against the Bills. It's not the best thing in the world to go into Foxborough um, needing a win late in the season. It's just not not recommended. Uh, but Denver is doing uh, what what I think you and I expected them to do. I think I had them at seven and nine. You had them at eight and eight. Both of us had them missing the the uh, playoffs. So uh, we're pretty good on that one. So. Nevertheless, uh, the Dolphins getting it done in a big way. Matt Moore coming in, tossing four touchdowns. Uh, I'm with you though. I'm as happy as I was, and you know, you know some of the reasons why I was happy with Matt Moore's performance. But um, there'll be film out there now, so uh, you know, maybe they'll how get about, a little bit of a beat on. How about Gus him. Bradley getting getting released after that game there the yesterday? Which, you know, it's a, is, a, is a disaster right now. A disaster. Yeah. So, it is. I, you know, it, nothing it's surprises me with them. You have the details surrounding it, it, his dismissal. I saw some talk about well, it. no, it I really think
0: I think it was simple. The guy went 14 and 48 in in his almost uh, four years there, and if you're the owner, you're sitting there. Is
3: that not uh, good? you?
0: Basic. Well, they were hoping for a few more wins. I'm thinking than 14 in four years. Um, yeah,
1: <laughs> then, I, I yeah you're the owner. You're sitting there
0: that. with. Well, how about the lead? I mean, you're, you knock the number one quarterback out of the game. They bring in some kid who's never played before, and you can't even get a win. If you're the owner, what do you do? You have no other choice but to get rid of the guy.
3: Yeah, it sure seems that way. I just wish and hope that the Jaguars could get things turned around, but I'm not uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one.
2: Packers-Bears. How about the Pack?
3: We're. I mean, are, have we stopped worrying about the Packers now?
0: Well... I always worry when a guy when – when you have a quarterback like him, I think he always makes you take notice because if he goes off in a game and you're not on your toes, you know, he can, he can put some points up just because he's that good of a you know thrower of the football. Uh, but, you know, let's, let's be honest here. I mean, they let the Bears back in this game in the fourth quarter. Uh, a guy is the defensive coordinator for the Bears who happens to be uh, – he was around with Harbaugh, Vic Fangio, from my hometown – grew up watching the guy play football, usually a very solid defensive coordinator. I have no idea what the Bears were doing at the end of that game. Uh, Packers are out of timeouts. Uh, They're way on their end of the field around the 30-yard line, and there's only 20-some seconds left, and somehow a Bear ends up in single coverage with Jordy Nelson running down the center of the field and uh, uh, really confused about that, and uh, Aaron just let it fly. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. What I the mean, Bears he knows there. how
3: to do that, now, doesn't he? Yeah. Here's a here's a here's a big thing, my friend, and you can go through the box scores and look at it. Guess what Green Bay's doing?
0: Running. I saw Ty Montgomery from Stanford of Stanford Lure had what 150 yards or something on the ground.
3: He did. Had a really good day. Now only 16 carries, and you know when you're killing it like that, I guess you didn't need to give it as much. But this is, I think that they're on a four-game win streak, and this is the fourth yep. straight game in which the Packers have attempted more than 20 rushes in a game, 23 yesterday. And, again, with Montgomery going off like that, I don't know uh, that you really need to do. You know, when you think about the end of the game and how the Bears almost came back, maybe they should have run the ball a little bit more. And we'll have to, you know, keep a little eye on that as if are they going to get giddy off of this four-game win streak and depart from some of the things that were successful for them. And it's interesting that the Vikings are coming to town and it won't be as easy to run the ball. Will the Packers stay patient with the run game, which has gotten them, uh, I dare say, this four-game run? That's going to be interesting to watch.
0: Well, the worm has turned, my friend. Last year, I'm looking this up for – we're full service here, by the way. We give you everything. Last year in the NFL, in 2015, there were seven – count them – seven 1,000-yard rushers. There was only three guys that went over 1,100 yards, Todd Gurley, Doug Martin, and Adrian Peterson. Okay, This year in the NFL, after 14 weeks in the season, we already have seven guys who have broken the 1,000-yard mark. We have Ezekiel Elliott, after 14 games, has more yards rushing by a decent margin, over 100 yards, than what Peterson had all last year to lead the league. I mean, the worm has turned. We've got guys coming up. No, excuse me, we have 9,000-yard rushers already, and we have Melvin Gordon at 997. We have Carlos Hyde at 950, Devontae Friedman at 930, Gore at 891, Spencer at 860. So we legitimately have probably – we could end up this season with more than double the amount of 1,000-yard rushers. I think teams are finally starting to realize that, you know what, everybody's built to stop these, these flag football offenses. Let's run the ball.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah, you know, I, I don't know if Gordon's going to play again this season. He suffered that injury last week, but he's pretty damn yeah. close. He can go, he can go ahead and call him a 1000-yard rusher, but um your point well taken. I've always said defense in a running game. Not to the not to the point where I'm saying you just have no offense. Yeah, you, you got to have offense, but if you don't have defense in a running game, what what are you really doing? So, uh it's interesting to see like you said how the the worm has turned. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Minnesota, but uh I alluded to the fact that I could see the Colts winning this football game at Minnesota. I did not see 34 to 6. I don't know what happened there. Is uh is is uh Adrian Peterson bad luck for the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah,
0: well, I have a you know, I I have a feeling what happens is and and this happens a lot in a course of a football season toward the end, you'll see it. When one offense put one one when one part of a football team puts so much stress on the other two phases, eventually everybody just breaks down. I think what happened here is the weight that the offense of the Vikings has placed onto their defense and special teams to keep this team in games, which by and large, throughout most of this season, the Vikings were tight in most of their games, either winning them or losing them in the fourth quarter, but they, they stayed in football games because of that defense, because of the special teams. This may have been one of those games where just the weight of a season where, we're basically every, you know, you have no room for error because of your offense. I think it may have just caught up with, with the Vikings mentally. And uh, they checked out early in this game.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you got the pack coming to town. Yeah. You kind of out of this playoff race thing, but be nice to beat the Packers, whether you're in the race, We're not in the race. Uh, Emil, listen, he's turned down jobs. Uh, Potentially, it seems like people have reached out to him, and he said no, likes where he is. He's got to be lying. Somebody there needs to tell him something. Chip Kelly doesn't belong in the NFL, Emil. Can we just stop playing games? Let's just get to the heart of the matter, take the filter off. You don't belong here. Go coach college football.
0: They're embarrassing. I mean, if you you really go down, I mean, it's one thing, you know, the Browns are embarrassing right now. because of the results, but the 49ers are embarrassing because not only the results are bad, a lot of these games are just they're not even close. I mean, the Bears beat them a few weeks ago 26 to 6. Uh, you know, last week they blow a 17-3 lead against the hapless Jets and we saw what the Jets looked like on Saturday night against the Dolphins. They lost that game. They're never in this game. Yesterday, it's twenty-one nothing. Before you could get yourself a beer and 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 heat up some pizza to sit down and see it. I mean, it was it's you know you looked at the scoreboard. It's twenty-one nothing in the late first quarter, I think. So I don't know. I don't know why they want to keep them there. To be honest with you.
3: Yeah, I I don't know what they're gonna do. I know what he should be doing, and you know I am really big on this. And you know I've talked about it on the show before about a college, uh, not college, a coach, a coach knowing how to pick the next job, knowing how to pick jobs is such a big part of how your career turns out. And I think right now, Chip Kelly is making uh, probably a, a huge mistake. Now, you know, I'll be the first to apologize if something uh, really good comes along in college uh, either this year or next year, and he could jump on that. And it's his dream job, a la Sabin to, to Alabama. But um, what he's doing right now, I mean, it's clear. It's as clear as it was for Spurrier. As clear as it was for Saban, as clear as it was for, uh, you know, anyone else that's come to this level and just realized, okay, I'm I'm not a failure as a coach. I'm just not cut out for this. He's not cut out for this. It's 41-6, 41-13 yesterday against the Falcons. I don't think the players want to play in this system. They realize he's a college football coach. I don't know how much he's going to get out of anyone uh, at the NFL level.
0: Well, let's put this in more perspective. You know, In the NFL, because the games tend to be close because we always talk about the, the, the talent matches up so closely, um, 100 is kind of my mark in point differential, especially at this point in the season. You know, if a team has been outscored by 100, they really, really suck. And if they've outscored their opponents by more than 100, they're probably really good. So, okay, let's take a look. We've got three teams that have outscored their opponents by more than 100. The Patriots at 132. The Falcons at 111, and the Cowboys at 108. And pretty much we'd agree they're three pretty strong teams. Here's the sure. bottom of the barrel. The Jaguars, they're at 99, so I'm in a round like you did with Gordon in the previous segment. Mm. They're at 100. Okay, the Jags, and they suck. The Jets are at 116. Yep, they suck. The Rams are at 131. They suck. The 49ers have been outscored by 170 points. The only team that is worse is the Browns at 188 think about that in a league that prides itself on close games they've been outscored by 170 points in 14 weeks
3: yeah it's uh unbelievable and i if you're the san francisco 49ers organization and i know there is a uh i know there's a friendship i believe there between chip kelly and the general manager but if you're running this organization and you believe in excellence and you know that's been the history of the 49ers for the most part you know uh, you, know what's, you know what's funny about the 49ers? They're either awful or they're really good. That's their history. Really great or really bad. Um, and you need to get out of this really bad right now. You've got to cut ties with Chip Kelly. It's just not going to work. That's as clear to us, it's as clear to me and you, as Brock Osweiler shouldn't be the quarterback at Houston and you shouldn't pay $72 million, $37 million guaranteed with a $12 million signing bonus. It's it's, it's that clear. Do you need next yeah, year it's, to it's figure true. that out? No. No, you don't need so, that next
0: year. I mean, he might not get next year. Don't be surprised if they don't take a look at this it. body of work Yeah, and just say, you know, Chip, we love you, but it isn't going to work. you got to
3: get him an apartment with Jeff Fisher, and uh, the two of them need to be roommates and just talk about their careers as college, uh, as NFL football coaches. Uh, nevertheless, they can plot their revenges. Hey, yeah, right? Uh, how they could strike <laughs> back. Uh, one could take the Jaguars job. The other can take the Cleveland job because those are – you know, one's open and the other one's probably going to come open. Hey, yeah, you're a Cowboys fan. Uh, qu- quite honestly, how afraid are you of the Giants? And tell me why New York always seems to be able to do this at this time of the year. Uh, that's that's fascinating to me. That's something I would love to go in depth and study and figure out, how they are able to finish, see, look like, you know what? Well, they've been the pretty, you know,
0: the Giants have been pretty solid all year. Am I – let, let me put it this way. The reason there's two things that honestly have me almost rooting to play the Giants is, is this. Number one, to beat a team three times in a season, especially Extremely when that third time would be on their field most likely, you have to be an absolute powerhouse.
3: I mean, if you study
2: or you the have NFL. To,
3: it has I could, to be so much a great matchup for you uh, if you're just, yes, in speaking for the Giants. It has to be such a great matchup for you.
0: Yes, I think the 86 Giants that won the Super Bowl, if I, if I have to go back and look, but I believe that year they may have played the Redskins in the NFC Championship game or in the divisional round and beat them a third time, okay? That team was an absolute powerhouse. They scored some points. They had an all-time great defense. This Giant team is not that, okay? So, number one, I like the matchup because I, I – Find it hard to believe that the Cowboys wouldn't have learned enough in two very close games to say you're not beating us the third time on our field. The other thing I like about playing the Giants, and I hate to say this, their offense isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to jinx my own team, but if you watch them yesterday, for how much they had throttled Detroit in that game, and Detroit really wasn't doing anything, the score was ten six with four minutes left.
3: They just yeah
0: they um, don't really yeah, they don't I'm, have a, have running a good game. Lions
3: team. Um, and I agree yeah. with you on that. I just I like I like the defense. I just I still say the Giants are missing what they need in the running game. And ultimately, that's going to cost them. I did look that up for you. The 1986 New York Giants, man. And then to look at it again, you know, I knew it. But then to look at it again uh, on paper or a computer screen, just how much uh, just how good this team was. They did beat the Washington Redskins twice during the season uh, and then, you know, met them in the uh NFC championship and really put a signature on it beating them 17 to nothing. The two playoff games the Giants had in 1986, 49 to 3 over the 49ers. Yeah. 17 to nothing over
0: the Redskins. Yeah, so I mean, you know, again, I could I I'm wrong enough so I could be wrong, but I just think that to do that three times you have to be that type of club um and you know right. or like a 90s uh, you know, I don't think they are, or a 90s Cowboy club or an 80s 49ers club, that kind of club. And uh, you know, The other thing that got lost in this little mini, um, when the Cowboys were having their, their mini slump before last night, the last three games defensively, the Dallas Cowboys, 15 points, 318 yards against the Vikings, 10 points, 260 yards against the Giants, 20 points, 276 yards to the Buccaneers last night. They had two, one bad quarter of football in the last 12. That was the third quarter last night, their defense. Dallas, as that is, has really been stepping up, and they're actually third or fourth in the league in points allowed, and that's kind of flown I, under the radar.
3: Yeah, so let's let's slide to the Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. I found myself annoyed all week long uh, by the talk. Um, you know, I watch this repeatedly, uh, and I talk about it a lot on Twitter about how the media will take will take the uh, it's almost like they will find the diamond in the rough somewhere or the great story, run it up the flagpole, um, abuse it, make this person the greatest thing in the world. It will compare them to historical greats. Uh, everything they do is can't miss. Um, he missed the garbage can, picked the pick the, pick the the trash up, the can or the cup and threw it in there. He's got to be amongst the greats for that. Everything that he does um, is great. Is great. He walked away from his teammates to pass to win um, you know, other great quarterbacks um I haven't done that in the past. It's just ridiculous. And then once that flag hits the top, Amel, they just take so much joy in sliding it down. Okay, so um you didn't play that great against Minnesota, then you happen to lose a game against the New York Giants, and they just want to get all the clicks and listens that they can as they slide the flag back down the pole, and that's what they were trying to do to Dak Prescott. I was just so happy for him to jump on that flagpole yesterday and snatch it right back up to the top, 32 of 36, 279 yards. You know, the haters will say, well, he didn't throw a touchdown pass. He doesn't need to. Let me get the ball from the 20 down to the other 20. Is this some dude we drafted named – Ezekiel Elliott can bust through the line and get in the end zone and then jump in the Salvation Army Cup, and we end up winning the game anyway. So why don't you guys just – Can I make three points
0: on this? One, one, two are on the quarterbacks, and then one I want to just talk about the game and something you've touched on a lot over the years. First, let's talk about Dak. Okay. After last night, the guy's 12-2. and two. In standard quarterback rating, the NFL puts up you know their stats. He's third behind Brady and Ryan. That's pretty heady company. In yards per attempt, which is a measure of, you know, obviously if you're, if you're throwing the ball six yards an attempt, that's not very good. Usually the, the barometer is seven and above. He's third in the league at 7.9 yards per attempt. So his passes are meaningful. In ESPN QBR, which tries to measure, and I'm not going to get into that if people want to read about it, it's a great stat. It measures when you accumulate your statistics as opposed to just standard quarterback rating. Were they meaningful?
3: He's second in the league behind
0: Ryan and ahead of Brady.
3: Okay. Hey listen, so don't get yourself listen, don't get yourself all worked up about these stats. I already laid it out for you and told you what it was. They got tired of Dak Love and there were no there was no more there was no more to gain by piling on his greatness that you yourself built up, and I'm talking about the media. So effectively they saw the flag at the top of the pole and it was they were pulling on a rope and they couldn't get any more. There was no more room to go up. So he gave them that little uh, opportunity against minnesota and then the giants so they said man you know i think it's time for us to slide this thing back down um you know and and so it's almost like this amal if i could draw this analogy everyone will come out there and watch the flag go up the that's exciting right flags going up the pole yeah. but no one wants to stand there and watch it flap in the wind that's just static it's no big deal but right then you can go make the announcement now we're going to bring the flag down and you get the audience back out there again to watch the flag coming down and that's what we do all the time in the media with everybody I, you know, earlier this year, I talked about the whole Ronda Rousey thing. I mean, she couldn't do anything wrong. I don't care what right. she did. Her photo shoot was amazing. How she spoke was great. She was in a movie. It's the greatest thing in the world. She was Meryl Streep. And once that flag got to the top and she got punched in the face, they slid her down the pole so fast and they got an audience out of it. And that's what it was. And they tried to do that to Dak. And I'm just so glad that he took it and said, no, 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 no. We're going to fly this thing up at the top. For a little while longer before you guys go slide me down the pole. And, and, and the did I time.
0: not tell you on Friday's show that I fully expected that? Watching this guy develop, you're listening you to did. a lot more you than your, your average person listening to his interviews. I know what this mm-hmm. kid's about. He, this guy is not some guy that's going to cry in his cereal or you know go go stand in the corner and you know cower up. I mean he may not win a Super Bowl this year, but I'm telling you this guy is the real deal. He showed it last night. Um, he's twelve and two. And here's my second point, segueing into that. And I said this Friday or last Monday. The last time we've all seen Tony Romo play championship football, caliber football, was January of twenty fifteen. That's basically two years ago. He's thirty six yeah. about to be thirty seven. What's the guarantee that all of these people in the media that Tony Romo that, that comes out right now and plays football is the guy you saw two
3: years ago? How do you know that? How do you yeah, know that he is the guy? Right, and, and then you would go and make let's say the brass they're really kowtows to the pressure from media and fans and they go and throw Tony out there and he's not the answer. Then what? Then what? He hasn't, he hasn't well then played you've in actually while, you anymore.
0: you've actually shaken the team up and you've got you've got to with your with your tail between your legs as a coaching staff, you've got to go back to the guy that is your future. And you yeah, know me. You've Chad. done you've crashed
3: your for sure.
0: I love Tony Romo. I think he's a great guy. I think he was a very good quarterback for the Cowboys. I always say this generation's Danny White. He came after the wrong guy. Um, he was held to the Aikman standard, something. He wasn't Troy Aikman, the no, same way Danny White wasn't Roger Staubach. But that's the past, and he's a great guy. I hope he stays as the backup. He probably won't, but that's that. It's, it's Dak's time now. People have to get this stuff out of you. You're going to ride this guy. That's what's going to happen. You're either going to win something this year, but you're going to be set up for years to
3: come if you don't. Don't worry about it, okay? And the and third that's point exactly, in that game. That's exactly what I was about to say, Emil. I would much rather take my chances, even if he comes out and has a, another bad game in these last two, or he, you know, he has a. even Even if he stinks it up in one of these playoff games, I would much rather ride with this guy. Knowing that what's, you know, it's crazy to say this in the NFL, but what's the rush? Is there someone or some unit out there on this Dallas Cowboys team that's just really, really old and this is the last hurrah for them? I'm not seeing that. All right. So even they're if you are it, they're numbers, probably, I bet here.
0: you if we go look, they're probably one of the, the, the top seven or eight youngest team? teams in the league.
3: Sure. So you, you're set up. You want to get this guy right now as much experience. You want him to play in, the, in these play in these pressurized games towards the end of the season. You want him to play in an NFL playoff game as, as sooner rather than later. Let him get all that in there and out of the way so that you set up the future. You don't want to wait three, four years for that. And I think if you get Tony Romo in there, Emil, I think he's going to be good for one game for you. If he can, maybe he can come in here and save a ball game for you. And then I'm telling you, in the next game, you're going to have a problem. And then what? So, uh,
0: well, and then I have one last point on this game last night because you watched it. And this is to your point, okay? Scott Linehan, Dallas's offensive coordinator, has been mentioned now. He's getting some love for some of these jobs that are coming open. I sent you a text. I pray to God someone scoops him up and takes him because here's a guy. That is one of these guys now, he wants to put his stamp on the Dallas Cowboys. He wants to be known as a genius. There was calls in that game, and anybody who watched the game will know what I'm talking about. The Cowboys pulled out a play that should be run once, maybe in a game, which is a jet sweep to Lucky Whitehead. They ran it three times. On a third and one, they got three yards. On another third and two, they fumbled a reverse with some cute play that lost yards, stopped a drive. And then finally, on another third and two, with the best offensive line and running back in the league, they decide they're going to run a jet sweep to him and they lose seven yards. Are you kidding me? I mean, seriously, for the love of God,
2: you don't have to be cute, Scott. I mean, seriously.
3: Amel, the folks in Jacksonville, Florida... Cleveland, Ohio, would like you to shut all the way the hell up. I said this today on Twitter. You folks that are fans of the Alabama Crimson Tide and you folks that are fans of the Dallas Cowboys that complain about play calling and coaching really just need to go walk off a plank and jump in a lake, Okay? For crying out loud. I've got a friend um, that likes to complain about Lane Kiffin, and he's just so glad that Lane is gone. Oh, yeah? Okay. Let's see what this looks like when he leaves. I pray to God that it looks like this 2016 season that you have. The Cowboys are in the midst of the best season since the Aikman triplet years, and Alabama may be putting out um, – we'll have to see what history says here – but one of the best college football teams ever, and you, you guys, you want to complain – about some play calls in a game. There are people in well, in,
2: in, in L. El- let me Castro, tell you something,
3: Texas, Mr. Wilson. Utah, let me tell you, I would love to get inside would like my your friend, headset. Uh, from Alabama to shut the hell up.
0: I would like to get inside your headset when you're coaching a game. I'd love to have you there. When your offensive coordinator runs his third jet sweep, okay, and your defense is getting their helmets to go back on the field. I'd love to hear <laughs> what you're muttering underneath your voice as you're saying what the hell? I mean, come on, Chad. You
3: know what Judge I'm muttering? Uh, you know what I'm muttering? <laughs> hey, guys, go out there and get a stop. That's what. That's what we do. That's that's what I. That's what I tell them. Listen, man, you've got to chill out. You've got to relax. All right. I have. You know, it's like one of these games. Uh, one of these playoff games we had this season. I think it was. Uh, we ended up winning the game twenty to seven. I want to say it was against Bishop okay. Moore. 20 to 7. This is the, These were the right. defending 5A, class 5A champions. 20 to 7. And I've so got a parent them. in my ear after the game. What? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't you know if won. I would have made that call. Yeah, you wouldn't have made that call. Or the 50 other ones that I made that held this team to seven points. Go have a seat right. on the bus. Thank you. Thank well, for coming out. Last
0: night was a very, last night as a Cowboy fan watching what was a good game to, you know, the Tampa Bay, certainly a good team at this point now in their maturation. Um, It was just very frustrating because I was watching them drag Tampa Bay up and down the field the entire first half and and just some questionable penalties that they made themselves, which are not the coach's fault other than if you figure the coaches can coach that. But, I mean, the play calling left Tampa Bay in the game at 17-6 at the half, and then before you know it, you know, you let your guard down a little and you're losing 20-17 in a game where really you could have put them away. And I was just a little frustrated by – you know, I, I always, you always tell me that. You know, I just don't like when guys get cute. There's, the Cowboys are not a team that need to be cute necessarily. They're a power football
3: team. They don't need to be well, cute. All well we can hope for, Emil, in this, all right, and I may be digging deep into it, but, uh, you know, as a coach, maybe I could throw this out there. Perhaps in a, game against, uh, in a game like this, you put a couple things on film for people to think about and worry about when you're down by the goal line. Um, I will say this as a defender: uh, when you're lining up, and especially down in that area, whether it's a short yardage situation or you're uh, down close by the end zone, um, there's a little bit of guessing that has to go on because of you know the short amount of yardage that's needed for either a touchdown or you know you got to sell out on something, which means you got to guess. Sure. And if I'm watching film, and every time you've run uh the the power o play or whatever you know the counter tray play if you can go back to the redskins days then i you know i might be able to in a very critical situation in the game say we're going to just sell out on counter tray but if i've watched some film and hey man yeah there's a jet sweep oh these guys have run a reverse here so oh can, i don't know if i could completely sell out on that power run play. Yeah, I know what you're I know it, you're like
0: a pitcher. You're trying to say you're like a pitcher in the second inning where you show something where in the ninth inning or the eighth inning you're not going to use that same pitch to get the guy out. And maybe the thought is they show that on film and in a playoff game. A, a, a round comes Lucky White on a jet sweep formation. Look, and up, and up the middle goes Ezekiel Elliott, exactly. like the parting of the Red Sea. Yes. I got exactly. If
3: I could defend sense. the Dallas that Cowboys today. All right. So there, there you well, go. There you go. We'll, we'll have to see. All right. Um, we made some picks here, so we're going to close the show out with this. Uh, I'd have to say I couldn't have had a better weekend of picking. We talked about 2-0 and o so far in the college football. Um, I went and put together a 3-0 and o in the NFL, and, and then I, I just I couldn't have done better with this fantasy thing. So where do we want to start? The picks? The fantasy? Hey, you know I'm all good whichever way we go.
0: Yeah, I know you're good. Let's, let's start with the picks, and then we can cover fantasy. Why don't you go through what was a stellar NFL weekend for you?
3: Started off on Saturday, went with the Miami Dolphins. I thought the number was very low against a, a Jets team that obviously has been struggling. I th- the biggest factor for me here was that you're throwing in a Matt Moore, which means some tendencies are going to change. And boy, did they. Um, he came out and did some things that you don't really see Tannehill do. Does it mean Matt Moore is better than Ryan Tannehill? No. It just means Matt Moore was different. And Ryan Tannehill and did some things the Jets weren't prepared for, nor did the Jets uh, at this point in the season really care to prepare for it. We're not going to go dig uh, up. You know, we're going to tone over every stone just to see what these guys are going to do. So the biggest thing for me here was um, you got a not so good team facing a quarterback that hasn't played all year. So I thought that played to Miami's advantage and it sure did. They ended up blowing out the Jets. Tennessee Titans wasn't so sure about this pick at a certain point. They've just been playing good football. They're getting great play out of their quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Um, They couldn't ask for more there. And the Tennessee Titans, I don't know if they're going to make it to the postseason, but they're looking like a postseason football team right now. And uh, listen, we all have talked about, and everyone who watches NFL football knows how difficult it is to go into Kansas City and get a win. Um, Ultimately, maybe it was what I said when I made this pick, that it's a sandwich game for the Kansas City Chiefs. And when they went out and got up early, you know what I
0: felt, Chad, in this game. I watched most of the second half here. I really felt like it was one of those games. As I watched it, that the Chiefs, the Chiefs have had their fair share of games, you know, close games this year, and they've been winning them. I had a Mm -hmm. feeling when the when the Tennessee Titans got the ball back after missing the two point conversion with a minute twenty and no timeouts for some reason. I really had the gut feeling they were going to go down and kick the field goal. Because I said, you know what? The Chiefs have been, you know, to their credit, winning most of these games this year, and they're just due to get some bad luck. And the bad luck was Andy Reid called timeout on the first field goal, which was short, and he gave the guy mm. a practice kick. And the second one, he nailed it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if I believe in luck. I know this um, kind of from experience. You get into a game like this, and you do. You do want to relax mentally, and maybe. Uh, Andy Reid and, and folks did a good job of making sure they didn't have that mindset. And then when they went up early like that, they said, all right, I, we're good. Let's relax. We got this game next week. And a Tennessee Titans team that didn't want to die came back on them. So who knows? But but nevertheless, um, yeah, as a nice five-and-a-half-point underdog, it's a straight-up winner. So I'll take that. And then the Philadelphia Eagles and Baltimore Ravens, I just didn't think the Ravens are that team. The Ravens are good, but you're not that team to go lay six points right now in the league in which you've said um a lot of these games come down to the to the final minute and this one did the ravens were able to pull it off they only won by a point uh but the eagles were six point dogs in this game so completed the uh trifecta going three and zero this week and by the way you got it you got to give doug peterson
0: a big hand for going for two i would have done the same thing but if you're getting six points you don't want overtime in a push you don't no. want any chance of that so Absolutely. you love that doug peterson went for two points Thanks, you, Doug. you go three and zero. Oh, you yeah, thank them. You run that record in the NFL, the 23 and 20 with two pushes. Very good season so far. Now for mine, I was doing well in the NFL. The last two weeks, I put up a five and one record. This week, not so much, one and two. Um, took a tough loss with the Lions. They were catching four against the Giants. Basically a four point game all afternoon, 10-6. The Giants ice it late with a touchdown, 17-6. I get the L there. I come back with the Chicago Bears, plus five and a half. Uh, we talked about that earlier in the show. Aaron Rodgers uh, gets the miracle bomb uh, to set up a game-winning field goal. Packers win by three. I get the cover with the Bears. I figured big rivalry. Bears will play them tough, and they did. And this was the one that really was hard for me to stomach last night. I gave the Cowboys minus seven. Uh, took an L there. They won by six. And you know, for anybody who watched a chunk of this game, if you closed your eyes and took your, you know, forgot the scoreboard. Dallas dominated play in this game, but they ended up trying six field goals in the game, uh, making four of them. I obviously needed that fifth one to get me to nine points and not six. I took a very tough L there. And uh, so one and two, my record sits at 20, 23 and two. So I'm three games behind you.
3: Yeah. um, I was feeling for you on that Dallas one. I thought, I thought when it got to 17 to 6. Okay, well, the Cowboys are going to just go ahead and close this thing out, but didn't didn't quite work. I
0: that think way. you know, I think you know what I mean from a per, when you make a pick on a game, you, you get a sense of did I deserve to win it or not. And if you were watching film of that game as a coach and, you know, grading out plays, you'd be saying the majority of the plays in that game Dallas won the plays. I mean, Dallas was 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 dominating play, but you just can't make the penalties and, you know, you can't end up with six field goal attempts in a game. Um, you know, yeah. as good as Bailey is, you know he had two missed two long ones, and that cost me the
3: cover there. And I apologize yeah, got, for the got, loser. Got a little, got a little sloppy. There's some things for the Cowboys to be angry about and fix during this week if they want to stay motivated and keep a, a little momentum going into the playoffs. All right, let's slide over to the fantasy football focus sponsored by FanDuel, folks. If you're into uh, sports, like I know that you are, if you're listening to this show, um, take your genius and uh, turn it into profits. Daily fantasy football. Is available for you and everyone else at FanDuel.com. So head over there right now and set yourself up with an account. If you're a newbie, they've got a, they've got beginner games where you'll be pitted against others who are beginners. If you're elite, you could jump into some of those big time, uh, some of those big time contests that they have with prize pools uh, at 1.5, 2.3 million dollars. You could turn this into a big bonanza for you. So take your take your smarts about football. And uh, turn it into something big, small entry fees, um, and a great app, well-run program over at FanDuel.com. Head over there right now. Set yourself up with a profile and use the promo code Studs and get yourself a nice welcome bonus. All right. Um, I think this is the best that I've done this week. It started off on Saturday. and You told me it was over uh, on Saturday. I thought you were trying to jinx me there. You're trying to throw the hocus pocus. No, I knew it was you. over. But anytime you can take a bargain basement backup $6,000 quarterback and he could yield 24.4 points for you, you're kind of off to a really good start there. And that's what happened with Matt Moore tossing uh, four touchdowns on the hapless Jets secondary. So I yielded 24.4 points there with a a $6,000 investment in Matt Moore. Um, So it doesn't get any better than that. I I got four times my investment in that one in terms of points. And then, uh, you know, when... I decided to go – because I saved so much money on Matt Moore, I said I could – I can kind of break the bank a little bit on a running back. And it was between Le'Veon Bell and LaShawn McCoy. Trust me, it was a a difficult decision. Ultimately, I went with LaShawn McCoy for one reason and one reason only. I really wanted to go with Le'Veon Bell. It's just that um, taking McCoy fit better with who I was able – in terms of, you know, salary – fit better with who I wanted to take at wide receiver. And that's all it really boiled down to. So I almost took Le'Veon Bell. As a matter of fact, if Rashad Matthews was cheaper as a wide receiver, Le'Veon Bell would have been the guy. Um, And it wouldn't have been as fruitful for me because McCoy had a really, really good day. $9,000 investment brought me back 30.4 points. So um, at that point, it was was kind of a runaway. And then Rashad Matthews um, had himself a decent day, double digits in terms of points um, for the Tennessee Titans, who, came back and beat the Kansas City Chiefs, so I ended up with 10.5 points there. Overall, 65.4 points. Tough to tough to beat that one, Emil. Had a good week there.
0: It is, and, you know, I started off with, with Dak, you know, and maybe you can give the points. Like, you know, Dak had a nice day. I mean, 279 through the air, no picks. He scored a touchdown uh, on, a, on a quarterback draw, so what did that get me in total points for Dak? Yeah, the
3: biggest issue for you there is that he didn't toss a touchdown. He did run one in. Ultimately, though, he ended up with 19.2 points, which is a good day for your quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, you you know, you'd love to have more out of that, but at the end of the day, you know, you can't complain about that. Then, you know, I went with with Blount from uh the the Patriots, and I really expected more out of him. I thought they, you know, they ran it for I think 136 a yards.
3: Running back is always scary. You got to hold your breath every time with them.
0: Of course, and they ran. You know, the Patriots had the big day on the ground, but it was from Dion Lewis. Blount had 17 carries for 31 yards, only 1.8 yards a carry. Uh, you know, he did have
3: a TD. So I'm I'm guessing I probably got, what, about 10 points? You got 9.1 points on FanDuel for that. Um, You know, the touchdown certainly helped. You needed more yardage out of him. But, you know, it's like I said with them, you never know who's going to jump up or who they're going to grab. Or did they sign a guy out of the local supermarket to go off there? And, you know, know, the other guy ended up getting getting the point yeah you know and then finally you know I got I took this
0: Chargers leading receiver and this is a game that you know I really expected more points in and you know instead the Raiders and Chargers play the old throwback game 1916
3: yeah how about um, that?
0: Williams yeah well, exactly Williams from the Chargers has four catches for a mere 20 yards no TDs that kills me so at the end of the day I'm, I'm guessing I probably ended up what with for, what 31 points for the whole game
3: yeah, you got four points with Williams. You ended up with 32.3 points, which is not bad. I've certainly had weeks where I've scored lower than that, multiple weeks where I've scored lower than that, 32.3 points. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I, just, I just had some really good picks this week. So 65 to, to 32 ultimately, and I, I now take the lead in this little fantasy duel that we've I know, got going
0: on. I know. You're 6-5. and five. I know. I'm behind. I got it.
3: Yep. I got work yeah, to got- do.
0: I got two weeks to catch you.
3: Yeah, that's right. Get it together, my get it together, my friend. Strike back, will you? So, um, we'll see yeah. what that brings. All right, we've uh, reached the end of another great show here on the Iron Stud Show. Listen, low audio clips and all, we still brought it. Abel. We're we're not we're not gonna make excuses here on the Gretna Stud Show. We're not gonna do that. No, we got it done. We brought all uh, we brought all the action to you. We got you all recapped. Um, I'm I'm back on on Wednesday. On Wednesday, and then I'm kind of touch and go for the rest of the week. We will have our Football Friday edition. So uh, stay tuned to uh, the, our Twitter account, at GISBG, for announcements on uh, upcoming shows. But again, Wednesday I'm back on. Friday we're going to have our Football Friday show. Uh, but you'll just have to stay tuned as to whether or not we've got anything going on Tuesday and Thursday. But for all of you that listen to us today, we'd like to uh, thank you very much for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Thank you for making us a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you the rest of this week.
1: Can you picture
2: what will be so is- To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges?